The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. And thank you for joining us here live as we are at Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas for Market Talk today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to be here with you as we are joined by our friends with the National Corn Growers Association and a few of their partner organizations as well here on today's program. We're going to be talking trade and much more here on Market Talk today. So again, thanks for joining us. We're doing this a little different here today. We have a panel of experts with us on the show. We're going to talk about all the different collaborations between corn and the animal industry and the export side and much more. We are also going to talk markets later in the show with Tommy Grisapi from Advanced Trading. He will be stopping by to kind of give us a rundown. We had four days in a row now, corn higher on the board. So that's a good thing to see. We're going to talk about that more coming up in just a little bit. I want to introduce first all of our guests here on the show today. Joining us first, Ellen Zimmerman is with us. And Ellen, it's great to see you again. Give us a little background on, on your role and your title, please. Yeah, so great to see you. Ellen Zimmerman, Director of Industry Relations for the U.S. Grains Council. Uh, my role is really all about connecting our members, our U.S. stakeholders to our programs around the world. The Grains Council has full-time presence in 29 different countries and programs in more than 60. It is so great to be here at Commodity Classic. I absolutely love seeing all of the producers, our other agribusiness members it's really fun to be here and, and happy to to be here in this partnership show definitely well and of course the grains council a huge partner of the corn growers also joining us with the corn growers chad epler is with us chad it's good to see you thanks for being here it's, it's great to be on the show and great to be with so many partners um uh, of corn sitting here so uh I, i'm the vice chair of the market development action team um i'm a a farmer um in southeast kansas uh but I go way back. Um, I'm also a former ag teacher, so I, I have agriculture is just such a, you know, it's just instilled in me, and and that's what I grew up with, and um, that's who I am. And so being able to give back in so many ways, and and partner not just you know with the national corn growers, but with all of these wonderful partners that we have here and make sure the agriculture moves forward. Fantastic. Also joining us, Mary Alice Kane, director of member relations for USAPEAK. Give folks a rundown on who exactly is USAPEAK, Mary Alice. Absolutely. We are the USA Poultry and Ag Export Council, and we are here to represent the industry that exports. So we connect our producers, trading companies, associate members, which includes cold storage, logistics, shipping, a little bit of everyone, and of course, our farmers. So we're trying to make sure everyone can play well in the sandbox together and keep everybody happy. Fantastic. And our final panelist with us, we got a packed show here today. Dean Meyer with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dean, it's great to see you again. Thank you, Jesse. It's great to be here. Um, I represent the U.S. Meat Export Federation. I am the immediate past chair. I've been on the exec committee there for uh, seven years and went through the officer rotation. Um, USMEF is based in Denver, 19 offices around the world and activities in 80 different countries. And what we promote is the export of uh, grain-fed red meat. Well, let's talk about how, how all of these organizations kind of work together. And I think just to start, a lot of collaboration. It takes a lot of collaboration in the agriculture industry. And so maybe just let's start with 
everyone's perspective on highlighting the value of those partnerships and collaborations between your various organizations. Ellen, why don't you go ahead and start from the U.S. Grains Council side? Yeah, sure. So we represent corn, sorghum, and barley farmers. And, and like you mentioned, we do have a really close partnership with NCGA, but as well as the other organizations uh, here on the show today. Uh, some of the partnerships that look like, uh, you know, sharing offices with NCGA in D.C. and some of the other uh, cooperators here around the world, too. We cooperate and collaborate on programs, whether it's here domestically, like our trade school or trade education programs with uh, farmers and agribusinesses or some of our buyers and sellers conferences around the world. Like we have one coming up, uh, the Ag Supply Chain Asia uh, that's taking place in Thailand in just a couple of weeks. And that's in partnership with other cooperators. Fantastic. Chad, talk about some of your perspective with being on the market development action team from the corn growers and some of these strategic partnerships and collaborations and how they help the industry. Well, I, I go back to, to my teaching days and I think about uh, welding, putting a, a weld on a project. One weld's not going to hold the trailer together. It's, it takes several, um, you know, to, to actually make that work and, and make it feasible to come out of the shop. And that's the same with all of us here. It, it's not one organization. It, you know, UCP can't do it by, by themselves. National Corn can't do it by themselves. We have to have all of these partners like we have sitting here to make it work. And I know one of the recent collaborations with uh, the Meat Federation was the Beyond Borders video, yeah. um, which is absolutely fantastic. I mean, you know, we want to make sure that that we continue to promote our shared commitment uh, to the land, that we're sustainable, um, keep the message in front of the trade partners and the consumers. And, and without the help of, of everybody here, we can't do that. Yeah. Mary Alice, your perspective from USAPEAK. Talk about just real quick some of how you see all this collaboration work together. Sure. So I very much appreciate what Chad was saying. You know, we're big into the mantra of a rising tide floats all boats. And that's something that we repeat over and over again at USAPEAK. Um, we want to make sure that we are working with our funding partners. We're working with our state and national checkoff members that we're all aligning on the same strategies so that we can carry out trade shows, culinary trainings, you name it, in these different markets and make sure it's the same aim for all of us. Fantastic. And Dean, from the U.S. Meat Export Federation side, obviously working on those export markets for that corn-fed red meat here in the U.S. is a, is a big deal. Talk about your view from USMEF side of these partnerships. Yeah, partnerships are key, key and collaboration is extremely key. I've there's nine sectors that make up the U.S. Meat Export Federation and, you know, corn, soybean, uh, pork, beef, lamb are all part of them. And the key to success in these international markets is working together, not only here, but taking trade teams in these markets that consist of all these sectors. And so, you know, when you go to Southeast Asia and sell red meat, it's just not the commodity they want to buy. It's the story they want to buy. That's what really sells this meat. So when you got a soybean producer and a pork producer and a, and a corn producer and a cattle producer all telling the same story, how it was raised from the ground to the plate, that's what sells these stories. And, and they can see it's, it's families. It's, you know, most operations are family farms in this country. And, and that's what sells this product in this country is family farm, quality raised, wholesome, sustainable product. 
Well, that's what it's all about. And I know coming up here in the next segment, we're going to really dive into market development. We're going to talk about some of the different partnerships and strategies that are going on between all of uh, these partner organizations to help out the American farmer and more. So we'll take a quick break. We will come back. We are live here on Market Talk with the National Corn Growers Association, our friends with USAPEAK, as well as U.S. Grains Council of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, live at Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas. Back with more here on Market Talk on the way right after the break. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Welcome back to Market Talk, live from Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas, as we are having a roundtable discussion here on the program with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, the U.S. Grains Council, USAPEAK, and USMEF. Ellen Zimmerman, Chad Epler, Mary Alice Kane, and Dean Meyer are with us here today. Let's talk and let's get into market development and export strategies and things that all of your respective organizations are doing to help the American farmer. Chad, why don't we start with you from the corn growers perspective? Some of the things, you know, I think about corn as a feedstock for not only ethanol, but the animal industry, food, obviously. So what are some of the things you're working on right now with the market development action team? Well, we're always looking for ways to find new uses for corn. And that's, you know, that's one of the biggest things that we do to try to find ways to get that corn pushed domestically or across the sea and get it exported into other countries. One of the things that we do is the Consider Corn Challenge. And I know that's one of the things that's been uh, very, uh, very successful for us. Um, The first three years, we put in 450,000 in in that funding to, uh, to make sure that these people that are out there with those fresh ideas and possibility for new uses, that, that they actually have, you know, a chance to go out there and develop something. And so all of a sudden we have these projects that, that could increase corn demand by 3.7 billion bushel. And that's a lot of bushel. And, and the bottom line for us, we want to move corn and it doesn't matter if it's in the grain form or if it's beef, pork, poultry, it, it's moving corn and, and sure. it takes all of us to do that. Well, I think Ellen, from the U.S. Grains Council perspective, that's a lot of what the work you guys do is finding some of those export markets for U.S. corn. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, I I end all of our staff meetings uh, at conferences in the office with a team break, move that grain. And it doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter where, uh, we want to move that grain. And so that's why these partnerships with these other cooperators are so important because we look at those value-added red meat, uh, poultry, uh, ethanol, sustainable aviation fuel, DDGs, move that grain you know that's what we're looking to do into any of those markets as well so how the u.s grains council looks to do that is a couple of different tools is uh, market development um market access and and trade policy in in those different areas around the world and and really positioning our products in the best way possible. So some of the new ways we're doing that is uh, our record of sustainability, which started with a partnership um, with NCGA and kind of benchmarking the uh, way that our U.S. corn farmers are already growing corn in a sustainable way. And then also 
looking at the way we can uh, extract as much value out of our corn uh, with our starch study. So how can we optimize feed mills uh, to pull um, as much as we can out of that, that kernel of corn uh, in the U.S. as well as anywhere in the world? Well, let's talk from the red meat perspective as well, Dean. I, you know, I think about that high-quality American-grown corn fed to our animals, our cattle, our hogs in some cases, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, talk about some of the different things that U.S. Meat Export Federation does to, you know, look for those new markets. Yeah, I'm, the, red, the, the corn section of it is, is extremely important. I mean, it, that's where we differentiate our product from the rest of the world is the, the quality, the corn fed, the long corn fed. And, um, you know, first of all, before we can get into a country, there's got to be free trade. You know, and even though we're not lobbying organization, we can educate and we can educate those uh, commodity groups that support us on what we need for trade. I mean, I've I've seen the examples of where we get a free trade policy. We're able to work into a country. We bring teams like I mentioned before. We bring these trade teams in extremely successful. You go in, you meet with the traders, you meet with the retailers, you you meet with the consumers via bloggers or, yeah. or social media. And in those Asian countries, they're way ahead of us on social media. And it's amazing the, the number of people we can be exposed to in a very short time for not a lot of dollars. And uh, and then we also team up with uh, industry partners. That, that one cent check off from corn that goes into, uh, th that's invested off the checkoff, we've seen that return 24 to one. And and not only with MAP and FMD funding, but we get industry partners in, in these markets that are willing to, to partner with us. And it's it's a great return. I, I mean, there's a lot of successful stories, whether we go to Colombia, Mexico, Korea, Costco in Korea is a, is a successful story, you know, with our meat, uh, our meat marketing there. And so uh, the real key is get everybody involved. Sure. Send trade teams over, and uh, and then uh, of course our international staff is second to one. None, you know, they as as is with all your organizations. Yeah. Um, the international staff is key. They're they're part they're they're part of the country. Their culture is part of the country, and uh, and they're and they're sold on our products. Talk about the the poultry side of this equation, Mary Alice. I mean, with Usapeak and. And some of the different advancements, some of those opportunities that are out there, kind of that relationship between corn and, and the poultry side. Sure, absolutely. Well, a few things jump out. I will add that our international team is so key to our success. And, you know, we very much refer to them as our boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. And we have 14 international offices and each one we work with so closely because they know those markets. They know what's going to be critical for success. So that is hugely important. And as Ellen mentioned, working with other cooperators and sharing those best practices, so vital to everyone's success. Um, but one big thing that we really focus on at ESAPEAK is education, education, education. So especially for some of these newer markets we're going into, you know, why are U.S. poultry and eggs so much better? What are the differentiators there? Yeah. And I think India is our best example of that. Um, that's a newer market for us. And it's been about building that market from the ground up. And we've done that through education. So, you know, educating young chefs on the value of U.S. poultry and eggs and they're not too familiar with turkey and duck, so getting to really share about those products with them and teach them about 
why they're important and why they're delicious. Um, that's really been a focus for us. Well, you bring up India. What are some of the other wins that we could talk about right now across all of our sectors? I mean, I'll kind of open this up to everyone. If someone's got an area they want to kind of throw out here, what are some of those wins that we could tell our farmer listeners right now, our ranchers out there as well, that we're getting for our industry? Well, I, I will start, Jesse, by, you know, the, the fertilizer. Fertilizer prices sure. have, have been a, a huge issue um, for all of us. And because... NCGA and our partners have kind of led a charge to, to say, hey, this isn't right. This isn't, you know, this shouldn't be happening. And so when that 20% tariff went on, um, that raised a lot of flags and all of a sudden we're into, you know, hey, we need to get this resolved. So by talking and, and educating and, and making sure that our voice is heard, we were able to get that down to 7.4% as of right now. Now I know that's not, you know, zero, but still, it's better than a 20%. And the only way that we could get it there is because of the partners that we have and at NCGA to be able to go and say, this isn't right. And having yeah. boots on the ground every day, you know, it affects us. It, it, that's hard on us. It, it's hard on us. Other wins. Uh, I think win for USMEF this past year has been Mexico. Yeah. Mex Mexico has been a shining store. Mexican pork, their, their beef has dramatically increased. And and uh you know we, we had a record record year even though supplies were high prices were depressed for farmers here meat at red meat exports for pork were uh, were record and uh you know when we can have a neighbor just across the border being our top importer of, of meat it's a win-win i mean every month there's over 6100 truckloads of fresh pork going into mexico every month and that just gives you a little idea and also central and, and south america yeah. it, it's they've they've been great wins for us and um it, it's just you know the key to usmef and as is a lot of our partners here is uh is broad-based i mean yeah. we can't key on one market i mean we're in southeast asia africa's a new frontier um, Australia has actually increased a lot in the pork imports. And so, you know, if, if we have a glitch in one country, we can go to another country. And it's been extremely successful and contributed to the, to the record pork exports we had last year. And then what I like to refer when we're talking to farmers, being a farmer myself, it all comes back to the farm. I mean, last yeah. year, that equated to an, an extra 14.6% per per bushel, which comes to 87 cents a bushel, just because of red meat exports. Yeah, great thoughts. Uh, got about a minute, Ellen, Mary Alice, either one of you have some wins to share. Yeah, um, I, I agree with Dean saying it's hard to focus just on, on one market and for us, even just one commodity when we look at ethanol DDGs or commodity corn. And so I think about Canada increasing their imports of, of ethanol and continuing to, to do so. We got a lot of markets more interested in DDGs. Uh, and, and like Dean said, uh, Africa being a new frontier market, we're, we're seeing huge increases in our programs there in West and on East Africa. So we're really excited about that. And we just opened a new office in India about a year yeah. ago. And so we're really excited about India's market too. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Well, and I want to pick up this discussion coming up here later in the show and kind of talk a little more about, you know, not focusing on one market, global free trade. So we're going to pick that up here coming up in just a little bit. But right now we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back here on Market Talk 
We're going to catch up on the market trade action we're seeing as we wrap up the month of February. Tommy Grisafi with Advanced Trading and ATI Pro Media joins us next here on Market Talk Live from Commodity Classic. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. And welcome back to Market Talk here live at Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas. As we continue with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, we're joined by our friends as well with the U.S. Grains Council and USAPEAK and USMEF. Right now, though, we're going to take a step back to looking at what's going on in these markets. Joining me here live on location, Tommy Grisafi with Advanced Trading and ATI Pro Media. And Tommy, it's good to see you, buddy. Hey, Josh. Good to be here. Wow. Uh, I just made it to the third floor and uh, I had no idea this was here and this is massive. If you if folks are listening, they've never been to Kamai Classic, you got to go. I mean, this is the everyone's here. Yeah. Except for the folks who've never been here, then they're not here. <laughs> Some 10,000 people, I think, yeah. registered 10, here for the three days. Yeah. I mean, just amazing. And I'm sure a lot of conversations, probably in many surrounding what's going on in these markets. And, you know, I guess I'll, I'll cheer a little bit. Four up days in corn. I know it's not a lot, but at least maybe something, to, something positive to say because there's been a lot of negativity, Tommy. Yeah, and we got through that first uh, notice day bump and uh, – yeah, we all knew it was going to bounce, but from where? And unfortunately, the uh, losses have already happened. Yeah. And uh, when you're caught long bouncing, you know, if you have a basis contract and you have to sell it by first notice day, bouncing isn't going to help you then. Unless they came in and bought futures or options or something in mm -hmm. May or July of the other months. But, uh, you know, I gave a little talk right before I ran up here. And my point was, if half the stuff they're saying about AI is true, quit pretending you're not awesome at farming. Everyone out there listening, watching, you are awesome farmer. You're the best farmer in the world. You have the, ac the access to the most information in the world. Pretend you are awesome and you're going to have a record crop every year. And pretend prices, and we're not pretending here. We're doing some role playing. Imagine the prices are going to be lower for a long time because we're going to have so many bushels. If what I think is happening is happening with AI. And by the watching NVIDIA stock, boy, did we, I'd be happy if I owned one share right now. Yeah, right. I know. Well, and your perspective, you know, you have plenty of experience dealing with commodities and trading and, and things of that nature and, and working with farmers and ranchers. And I know you've told me on numerous occasions that the interest rate environments, what concerns you more. So, I mean, give us some perspective. I mean, what do we really need to think about here with a, with a market environment like we're currently seeing, Tommy? That's a great question, Jess. So the markets have come down. We know that. But the interest rate has stayed up. When I was here exactly one year ago, interest rates were still on their way up. And, uh, they, they they stopped going up, but the, we still have a hangover. Like the the short end Fed funds rate at Chicago Board of Trades, five and a quarter, five and a half. If you are wealthy, you can get 5% money. And we went for 14, 15 years that we didn't have that. What's hurting someone like me, uh, a few months ago, I think you and I talked about it. My wife wanted a new pickup truck, and we didn't buy it, uh, a new vehicle, because we're like, wow, the vehicle was 20000 higher, and then we're going to finance some of it. I'm like, forget it. Your old one's getting new tires. Let's get her waxed. Uh, and so people like me are 
And a lot of people are stopping making major purchases or extending or making the loan longer. When you look at American agriculture, there's so much money involved and you're either making or you're paying. And most people here borrow a lot of money to run these wonderful businesses. Very, very true. Well, and, and you think about it, too. I think a lot of times we get caught up in the price and not necessarily, you know, the value with some of our commodity trading, too. And I know there's a lot that goes into it. Obviously, you mentioned a lot of, you know, borrowing money for operating loans and things like that, too. But sometimes I think we get too stuck on, oh, I need $5 corn and not, hey, I can make money at 440 Tommy. Right, right. And we also have to understand, too, let's get the price out of our head that we produce a product like it's a it's a it's a management thing. We, yeah. we you, you only have so much room and we have to regardless if you don't like the price, you still have to manage the flow of growing grain, selling grain and rinse, wash and repeat. It's not a Bitcoin, Jesse. It's not it's not a thumbnail. And you say, hey, don't tell anyone I own two Bitcoin on this thumbnail. They're not thumbnail, but uh, thumb drive. I'm thinking thumbnails like our YouTube. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I own two Bitcoin and it's up $3,500 Bitcoin today. Well, that's not physical. That's digital. But the grain trading is so physical that we have to realize we're dealing with a physical object that can spoil. Very, very true. Very, very true. Uh, I wonder, too, looking at how these markets have been kind of moving around, let's I know a lot of folks kind of got caught with first notice day here. You kind of mentioned that we got that bump out of the way. We got the end of the month here. You know, we've seen some different inflation data out on Thursday as well. But I'm just thinking out here as we're getting ready to make decisions for spring 24, you know, with where the prices are at right now, corn, beans, wheat, talk to me about acreage. I mean, what are you hearing from folks here? Are we going to see a dramatic shift potentially from what's being forecasted right now, Tommy? What do you think about that? The only thing I can see that's really getting me interested, and I have to ask some of our, well, we're in Texas, but some of my Texas clients, have you seen the price of cotton? Cotton, cotton has went, been yeah. up there. Yeah. Yeah. 103. And cotton was at, uh, oh, like in the low 70s not too long ago. Yeah. You get a commodity like that that we can grow in America, but we can't grow. You and I go up in North Dakota. We're not going to grow cotton. And so the, the, the states that are limited to corn and beans, corn and beans are limited. The the acreage on the uh, on the flex acres can move. Maybe, maybe in North Dakota we'll plant less uh, uh, wheat and more edible. But... Mm -hmm. There's there's a lot of acreage and not not many of the crops you can plant on them look very profitable right now. So we're trying to find which one we could lose the least on, I guess. And I, I have to tell you, after working with farmers, if, you, if you're a financial guy in Chicago, you think farmers two weeks before they go plant can change their mind. It's not like that. Decisions for this year's crop have been made a long time ago. Yeah. They prepaid for seed and chemical a long time ago. And some things could flex. Mother Nature will have uh, a say in that. But overall... Why would American farmers not go plant a lot of crop? They can't help themselves. No, very, very true. I mean, so how do we how do we really manage this situation? Obviously, it depends on each operation and, and your break even, your bottom line. But I know you know we think about it, we boil it down. There's a lot of tools in the toolbox. I guess I would say it, it's so important right now to actually have a plan and and put that plan to execution, right, Tommy? I was going to, I said, God, I hope he says the word execution because we all have a plan, right? I plan tonight I'm not going to overeat or drink too much, and you know that's <laughs> not how it's going to go down, my friend. Um, but uh, having a plan and and then, like Mike Tyson says, everyone's got a plan until I punch him in the face. And we've had a little punch in the face. The question is, uh, 
you know, we got knocked down a little bit in the ad community. We've taken about $40 billion out of the ad community in the last uh, year. And that comes right out of small towns and everything else. Uh, we also have some really positives. I mean, if you own land, you are wealthy. There's no lying about it. Uh, ground in northwest Iowa traded 29.5. And yeah. I, they always say, oh, it's a certain area, a certain scenario, a certain this. There's an incredible, incredible amount of wealth walking through this building and it's coming through the land, Jesse. It's not, you're not guaranteed always to sell crops at a profit, but over the course of time, American agriculture and land is going to become very valuable. And that's why when I did that speech with AI today, if if one third of one quarter of the stuff I'm hearing about AI hits agriculture, we are going to be producing massive bushels. We yeah. have drones flying over everywhere looking at crops, just like the, the Chinese government. When you walk around China, they know exactly where you are. Everything they could do with face recognition, they can do with crop recognition. Yeah. So I'm trying to get the farmer to have that mental mindset that they're awesome. They're going to produce big crops. We could deal with lower prices for a while and that interest rates are still higher. Throw all that that we have an election coming in. And I have to tell you, I asked the crowd to ask a few questions, and they started asking hard questions. They started, I was laughing, I go, oh, oh, it's hard question around. They asked about the presidential election. They asked uh, about Gaza and Israel. I mean, they weren't asking, did I think corn could bounce? They were asking major uh, questions. And of course, I told them, I'm not running for office here, folks. I'll try my best to give yeah. you my opinion. But uh, these are serious questions you're asking me. Great, though. I'm glad they did. Well, and to that point, there are these things, these black swan type of events, you know, I mean, like part of why I think we maybe saw a little, a uh, little bit of a bump in the wheat market is there's some talk of some dryness in the Southern Plains. Now, all of a sudden there's some talk. We could see some dryness in Brazil. There's been some drops in their private estimates down there. You mentioned the presidential election, the wars going on in Europe, et cetera, et cetera. There's these black swan things that obviously we know can move these markets on a dime. And we can't really prepare for those, can we, Tommy? No, but we can know what our risk is. And uh, I can't fault anyone that we didn't know Ukraine, Russia's going to invade Ukraine. Can't fault anyone we didn't know that, uh, you know, what was going to happen in Israel. We definitely don't know droughts before they happen. I mean, it could be hot and dry, then it could rain. And we think we do, but, um, but we do know what our risk is. And everyone out there listening... Congratulations, it's the last day of February. You officially have crop insurance from the United States government. But remember, remember today, you now know your crop insurance price. On October 31st, you no longer have crop insurance. And if you wanna if you wanna know why the American farmer got themselves in a pickle last year, is they knew they had a 590 floor in corn. They just kind of forgot it ended on October 31st. And they they had the government gave them an opportunity to lay off all that risk. And then after October 31st, they reassumed the risk. And mm -hmm people like us and you talk to some of the best in the industry you talk to all of them we we tell people that but then for some reason they didn't listen so if you say watch out you might get smacked and you don't duck i don't know what to say but we have to do a better job and if there's anything we could ever do for anyone let's uh let's go to the drawing board and and try to like you said in the beginning of the show let's get a plan let's get it written let's get it executed and uh, let's stay disciplined well, Tommy, uh, we're about out of time in this segment. Real quick, I'll, I'll give you guys a plug. I know you're doing some great stuff with ATI Pro Media on YouTube, live every morning at 9. Give us a, a quick shout for that, Tommy. Yeah, so myself and the team at Advanced Trading, uh, ATI Pro Media is powered by Advanced Trading. We go live every day at 9. In the next few days, we're going to offer a premium service, uh, ATI Pro Media, dollar a day. And folks like you are actually yeah. on it. You are one of our premium contributors. Go to the Advanced Trading website. 
Look in the center, you'll see ATI Pro Media. We want to educate the farmer, and I think they can afford a dollar a day for better education, Jess. I would hope so, and they can check all that out. They can find, of course, Market Talk on YouTube as well, and some of our great content there. And, of course, listen to us on the radio. Tommy, it's great to uh, talk with you again, sir. Good to see you here in Houston. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Tommy Grisafi with Advanced Trading and ATI Pro Media joining us here on Market Talk. We'll be back to wrap up our panel discussion here from Commodity Classic with our partners at NCGA, USMEF, USAPEAK, along with our friends at uh, the NCGA and U.S. Grains Council. More will be back here on Market Talk right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. And welcome back to Market Talk, live from Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas here today. Jesse Allen back with you, and we're going to resume our panel discussion right now with our friends here at NCGA, Chad Epler, Vice Chair of the Market Development Action Team with us, the U.S. Grains Council, Ellen Zimmerman, Director of Industry Relations, Mary Alice Kane, Director of Member Relations for USPEAK, and Dean Meyer, Immediate uh, Past Chair of USMEF with us here. And let's talk global free trade and, and why free trade is so important. And Mary Alice, you brought up India earlier and some of the recent wins you've seen there from the poultry side of the uh, ag industry. So, I mean, Talk about the importance of why we need these trading partners, these open markets for U.S. ag products. Start, why don't we start just kind of there and, and talk about that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, in India, just recently, we actually saw some reduced tariffs on Turkey, which was incredibly exciting and, you know, kind of revived some energy for us in that market. Um, but what I think is so important about these FTAs is that it allows you to not have to focus on outdoing the competition. It allows you to focus in on the task at hand and what What's most important and what are we really trying to accomplish in that market going back to the education piece that you know helps us to like really hone in on why that education is so important instead of worrying about our competitors so i think that's one of the largest values of having an fta in place having that market open is um being able to really focus in on what matters yeah and it's it's educating those buyers and consumers in, in these different markets is, is what it really comes down to right for sure absolutely talk about ellen from your perspective i mean with the grains council you guys like you said earlier move that grain you mm -hmm. guys are all over the globe so i mean kind of piggybacking off what mary alice said i mean talk about that education and opening up some of these markets and keeping existing markets open as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we, we say when, when trade works, everyone wins. And so uh, exactly like she said, uh, it allows us to focus on those customer relationships, uh, really uh, letting our boots on the ground work in those markets and, and really expounding on, on, on what we can do best there uh, and defending the market share that we have and, hope we, and hopefully building on that. When we look at moving into new markets, that's where it gets a little bit trickier because we're kind of starting at ground zero. Um, and, you know, a lot of times agriculture trade is the bright spot with some of our, you know, political uh, relationships. And it's, so how do we, how do we keep being that bright spot and, and expanding on that? Yeah. And Chad, from the corn growers perspective, you know, I know we've seen our various issues out there with 
Mexico and things like that. But obviously, there's a lot of opportunities out there for U.S. grown corn, and you guys continue to expand on a lot of these new markets and existing markets as well. Absolutely. One of the things that, you know, we want to make sure that we continue those relationships that we yeah. built and, you know, it's taken a long time to to get to where we're at, but we want to make sure that the livestock sector is is taken care of. And I mean, if you think about what we're trying to do here as a farmer, we're trying to raise sustainable, high quality corn, which we do. And so if you want to have high quality beef or you want to have high quality pork or high quality poultry, you feed high quality American corn. And so the message that we want to send to those that, that want our corn is, look, we have a very sustainable product here. We have a very high quality product here and our beef and our pork and our poultry are high quality also because they eat that high quality American corn. Yeah, very true. Well, and Dean, you brought up earlier Mexico, how so important it's been this past year for pork. I think about all the work USMEF does in Southeast Asia as well, and a lot of those different markets. So, I mean, talk about just the importance of having these markets to deliver our corn-fed, you know, U.S. red meat. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with uh, the free trade agreement part of it and uh, and the high-quality product we have to move. But I think a segment of USMEF that people don't realize is extremely important is our variety meats. I mean, a lot of times the domestic market is the best option for, for muscle cuts, a lot of the muscle cuts. But the variety meats, those, those pieces, you know, the tongues, lips, liver, and, you know, those those uh, pieces of uh, product that uh, aren't desirable here, a lot of times they're just off-all or rendering, they got value in those countries. I mean, uh, for example, a tongue here is maybe worth $3 a pound, and in Japan it's worth 24 yeah. And uh, so when we can add value like that, that's the part of the free trade agreements that we really need because we have no market here for those products. And uh, that equates to $40 a head for every beef that markets and $10 a head in every pork that goes. So it's important not only for the quality cuts, but for the variety of meats to have free trade agreements. Well, we got two minutes here. Let's kind of wrap up our thoughts. And again, this has really been a great discussion, but final thoughts from everyone real quick, just the importance of all of our organization's collaboration and all the things that you guys do to help the American farmers. So, uh, Dean, a couple quick thoughts from you real quick. Yeah, I, I think, uh, like was mentioned earlier, a rising tide raises all ships. We need to work together. When I was chair on this organization, that's one thing I stress is teamwork, yeah. work together. You know, we, we, we've got the corn sector, we've got the soybean, the feed sector that's telling us to move more product, and that's what we're doing. And uh, we, we we need to work together, whether it's on a trade team, whether it's sitting in the boardroom. we got the processors there with us and the packers. I, th I think that's key is we need to be together. We're such a small percentage of the population. Definitely. Ellen, how about you? Yeah, I think we're all interconnected in such uh, big ways, and we're, we're working in a global economy. And so it, it makes sense for us to work together so we can win together, too. Definitely. Mary Alice, how about you from your perspective with USAP? Yeah, forgive the egg pun, but we can't put all our eggs in one basket, as we say at USAP. Focus on working with our partners to make sure we can pull each other out of that and kind of all move forward together for success. On Chad, from the corn growers' perspective, final thoughts from you. Well, we work together um, as one better than, than by ourselves. And so, you know, just we need to keep those relationships going and keep pushing that good, high-quality corn to, to the good, high-quality beef, pork, and poultry that we have. Fantastic. I want to thank you all for sitting down for a 
panel discussion. Uh, an hour goes by pretty quickly, but uh, great thoughts from all of you. Chad Epler with the Corn Growers and Dean Meyer with USMEF, Mary Alice Kane with USPEAK, and Ellen Zimmerman with the U.S. Grains Council. Thank you all for joining me here on the show today. Really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank Thanks you very us. much. All right, we are out of time here on Market Talk today, but coming up tomorrow, we are going to be back with the National Corn Growers Association. We're going to talk sustainable aviation fuel. We'll also keep our eyes on what is happening with the markets here on Market Talk. That's going to do it for today's show. Live from Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas, I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to Market Talk.